the battery. What's the battery life say? I don't think there's a setting for that. Oh, it does? Where? Yo. I think this podcast. Oh, it has, it has three bars on there. Only three? At the top. Oh, is it, oh, is it three only? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yo, sneak this podcast. George, Ryan, yeah. Greg. Yeah. Hey. Back in the building. Yas. Uh, we have a special guest today who's going to be, we'll be calling him a little bit later. We'll be talking to the founder of Nice Kicks, Matt Halffield. Half Hill. That's a hard name to say for some reason. Uh, definitely got a lot of questions for him, though. It's a big guest, man. It's a, somebody who has uh, set up a staple in the sneaker community with uh, nice kicks. No can pigeon. Hear me? I feel like my uh, mic isn't loud. You guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Sounds fine to me. Sounds uh, same. Nice Kicks being one of the original uh, blogs for sneakers. Uh, since we'll be calling him a little later, we'll do uh, actually eight, episode eighty-seven. I mean, I'm sure you'll ask him this or uh, oh, he'll answer. But was it a it was a blog before a store? I assume. Oh yeah, right? it was a blog first. It's a it's a it's a good story. So we I definitely got stuff to ask him. Uh, I see you didn't do your homework and listen to the Premium Pete episode because I didn't plan on saying anything because I'm sick. I wasn't even gonna come. Episode eighty-seven. Uh, Jersey numbers. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. I didn't yeah, have any ready. Gronk. Um, Cook Raiders tight end. Don't even remember Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. <clears throat> Decker. Uh, yep, Eric Decker. Eric Decker. 87. Somebody for the Raiders. I can't uh, see. Uh, Jordy Nelson? Jordy Nelson is. Oh, is he? Yeah. Hockey Man. No, nah, he said that last week for 86, I think. Hockey Man is uh, <coughs> not Bill Cosby. Crosby. Bill Crosby? Crosby oh. of the Penguins. Yeah. Uh, he's 87. Uh, anybody got any pickups even, this week? Can't even think of it. Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby. I can't even think of his first name. I got some pickups. Bought the Ronnie Feig Nonative Ultra Boost. Bought the... <laughs> the what? The is Ronnie that what Feig they're what? called? Nonative? Nonative. Non- 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 non-native? They're non-native. Non-native Ultra Boost. Um, I mean, we can go with the first one. Why not? I bought the Peanuts non-native. <laughs> Christmas Vans. Bought these... Air Max, up tempo, quick strikes. I went in a Foot Locker for the first time in like, I don't know when the last one was in Foot Locker. Ages. I have no intentions on ever going to a mall again. Failed on Yeezys. You, oh, you stay at malls like every weekend. You might not be going there for a shoe no, store. Going to malls anymore. I would go to the Gap store for the kids. That Everybody failed on Yeezys. That's not true. He got about. That's not true. <laughs> he, told me he got about five. Rude. I didn't get that many, but <laughs> you got Yeezys. Yeah, you. you know. You what got, are you talking about? I got, I got three. Let me cop. Oh, well, they're all size six. I don't know what you're gonna do with a six. Trade. I need two of them, and the other one is Rudo already wants it. He wants a size four, so or he wants to give me a four for a six. Pause. Uh, Pause. Yeah, so give you that four. Bread eleven. Back. Uh, not bread. Oh, red. Oh, uh, yeah, all red 11s. I forgot about that. Uh, Wait, you got Yeezys too? It's a possibility. Uh, Bro, you're supposed to be trying for me. That's messed I up. I did try for you for four Dang, hours. Man, everybody got Yeezys up for me. I'm the only one that wanted them. Cause you four. Could, you could try that new thing. Sock jig. The plug. Uh, he's free now. What? what? Uh, Matt said, give him a call now. Um, Cause, red 11s. Oh, yeah, you want. Static want... NMDs. Did they charge you already for it and ship it? What? With cause. Yeah. And it's shipped too? Uh, not yet. So it oh. takes 10 days. Hope you sell it. Uh, 10 days? What? 
Uh, hey, look, <laughs> I'm not arguing. <laughs> Take your time. Uh, yeah, it was not a good. Besides the winning the Yeezys, it was not a good week for me with sneakers. Uh, not because I took L's, just because literally can't get an email from anyone. Everything getting canceled. It's been a weird week. It's been a lot of L's and a lot of W's and a lot of stuff. Um, Yeezys. I mean, you'll be able to get Yeezys tomorrow. Yeezys are, are a piece of cake. It's not. Um, hey. Are you, try, are you gonna help me? Yeah, I, I okay. could probably get you. You can help me. You can help me. I could probably get you a size nine. Well, I'm probably gonna try to get it eight <laughs> now half. if you want that for retail. Yeah, probably. Where? Bruh. You got they're connections? Just, uh, they're I'll, just sitting. I'll take the. Uh, I'll take the insoles. I'm gonna call Matt right now. You guys ready to call Matt? Let's call Matt. He said somebody said they're tighter than the other ones. Pause. So I don't think a nine will work. I'll Even take the if you take, out. Trust me. Right. What? I don't think you can take the insole out of the Yeezys. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Oh, that's how know. people. Yeah. Oh, that's how people wear the V2s because they're so small. Yeah, uh, someone said that they normally wear a 12 in every other shoe. They wear a 13 in the V2s, and a 13 in this V2 is too small. That's crazy. Calling them now. I'm excited to talk to Matt. Me too. This is somebody big. This is an important person. This is a very important person. VIP. All right, so like we said before, episode 87, we got a special guest on the line. We got Matt Half Hill. Founder of Nice Kicks, uh, staple, staple, staple in the sneaker community. I mean, if you don't know Nice Kicks, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> uh, before we even get to interviewing you and talking to you, you know, we appreciate you coming on to our podcast. Uh, we've had a few emails and direct messages before, you know, and uh, seems like you know a lot has changed, you know, in the sneaker community. Um, and you know, we just want you know, there's two things I want. You know, from talking to you, I want, you know, the nice kicks mat, and I want the mat like he's just talking to the homies. Uh, uh, we, want yeah. your, we want your opinions. We want everything. Uh, but I, real quick, I just want to know, cause considering, you know, th- does, a, uh, does a founder of nice kicks have to click on the sneakers app? And sit on a <laughs> sit on an Adidas splash page uh, for five yeah, hours? I actually do. I do. I mean, um, I don't know. I... I'm probably the worst person ever at asking for things um, when it comes to brands, um, you know, like for shoes. I really don't ever ask. And, you know, it's the only time I really do is like if it's if it's something I really want to try out from, you know, I really need to see like a technology that's different or whatever. And that's, you know, it's kind of more on like the, uh, I don't know, on the job front kind of idea. I don't. You know, I, I go on the sneakers app just like everybody else. You know, I pay full retail for everything, like pretty much everybody else. Um, you know, I am grateful for any gifts that are given to me or hookups there, offers of discounts sent my way or, you know, shops that I've been rolling with for years. And, you know, they send me the shoe and they don't charge my credit card and I call them back for, why didn't you charge my card? They're like, it's on me kind of thing. Like, I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy who likes shoes, just like everyone else. I mean, I just started a website about it many years ago. Like, that's the only difference, you might say. But I'm just, a, I'm just a dude who loves shoes. That's it. So you take as many L's as the rest of us then? You know, I've learned to stay, to not get into a situation where I'm going to catch so many as I used to. <laughs> but, yeah, I catch, I catch them too. I, you know, and I think that speaks to a problem that we've got um, – with the hype product, I think that there are, you know, I remember this uh, when, when I had the store in Austin, like one of the things that I did with that store um, was I put, whenever we had a launch product, I posted on this, the door, like we posted out the night before we posted out a printout of what it was 
and how many we had of each size. Because my whole thing is like, I would never want to wait. Like, I wouldn't even want to wait five minutes for a shoe that I could never get. Right. Like our whole idea was like, wait, people can line up and talk amongst themselves. Like, oh, there's size, there are four size 10 and a half. So there's three size 11. And it's like, if there's already four guys who wear 10 and a half, and three guys size 11, it's like, go to another mall, go line up somewhere else. Like, don't catch an L here. Like, we want to try to help you here. And unfortunately, I think that, you know, I do know that, like, a lot of retailers actually think it's cool to see a massive lineup outside their store. They like to post the pictures of all these people out there. Like, that's a good thing. First of all, they're not out there for you. They're out there for the shoe that you're selling. So, like, don't, don't pat yourself on the back too much here. Um, and then secondly, like that's a sea of people who didn't walk away with a positive experience with your brand. Like, right, right. that's not a good thing. We that's talked about that. Thing. Well, I don't know how, how else to put it. I think that brings up a good point about social media where one day a brand is or a brand or a store is being praised by someone and you can look the very next day and they're cussing out whoever it is because they didn't get the shoe they wanted. You know what I mean? It's an interesting dichotomy with love and hate between you know releases well i think it's also too it's a, it's a generational thing too yes. you know like we I, I missed out on a lot of shoes lined up and and whatnot in my in my younger years but the thing was is that that was how things worked you didn't always get a you didn't get a trophy because you went and played baseball you had to win your you had to win the title to get the trophy and i think that we have this generational thing where kids are tapping on their phones and every time you tap on an app it opens the screen but when you then go to a lineup and you don't get your way, it starts to become a cry fest, you know, of like, right. oh, I, you know, this sucks, fuck this store, all uh, <laughs> make more shoes. It's like, well, yeah, if they actually listened to you and made more shoes, then you wouldn't want them because everybody has them. Um, but, you know, like, it's, it's just this, it's just the thing where people are so trained. I, I really do blame the phone and instant gratification world that we live in, that when things don't go your way, it's like, you know time for a riot so. it's i mean that's we last week we had talked about it with uh one of the guys that's always on the podcast don shout out to don he uh, worked nike retail and we asked you know when you see a line of about 300 people you know you don't have 300 pairs of shoes in there and no he, and he and, and that's why we posted the line that's why we posted the numbers on the door so that wouldn't happen because i remember because those like, i remember those instances of like when we would have to be outside it would be like, and I don't know why we stood out there. I remember standing in line being number 101, 100, and still staying in the line because you just didn't know. You had no information of what was going on in your local Nike store. You assumed the Nike yeah. store got the most pairs. So when you finally knew you weren't getting a pair, the next, I'm sorry, when you finally knew you weren't getting the pair your size, the next <laughs> the next goal was to just get a pair in any size. Trade them, sell them. And trade them, yep. sell them, do whatever. When you couldn't get a, any pair, the next goal was hop in the car and frantically drive to the next mall, boutique, store, anywhere you can, call anybody to get you anything you could possibly do. Even if you get one, you still do that. You get one yeah. in one spot and try still. to go get greedy and get another one another place. And that's a fact, too. Yeah, I mean, we, we one of the things I remember Greg, uh, store manager, shout out to Greg Grovey, um, was doing was, you know, when people would ask, like we had registered wristbands and we had the sizes on the wristbands kind of thing when we'd hand them out. Like this is before, what was it, Nike did the policy where you couldn't have – this is when we had the midnight launches. So people would come out like, you know, in the evening or whatever, um, like eight o'clock or nine o'clock and just want to camp out for a couple hours there. 
than you know the overnight thing or the super early morning hours. And that for a retailer, it was really good because it's like we stayed there the whole time. Like we usually had an event, you know, that night if it was a big enough of a shoe. And like Greg would ask them, like, "Hey, what size you need?" And it's like, "Oh man, sorry, don't have any more of those wristbands." And you know, they'd ask for like, you know, we we'd look to see if there's any other available size like nearby, and it's like, "Oh no, sorry." But you know, like if somebody asks, "Hey, can I just get any size?" It's not. We like kind of. Hey, nah, dude, like, leave it for somebody else. Like, like, don't just take a size eight, even though you're a size 13, because you're going to try to go flip it or whatever. Like, I mean, we really tried to make sure that we gave the shoes to the people who really, you know, were after them to no. wear and so, whatnot. And if they, whatever they can do with that shoe, that's on them. Like, that's fine. Like, they're going to resell it, whatever. But, you know, when we had the direct contact that with each customer who's coming up the line, like, we made sure, like, these shoes were going to be going to the people who were going to wear them. So, and then in your experience, have you found, obviously there's not a perfect type of release. What's your, what's the one you think works no, best for you? No, there's not, absolutely. Um, I think that one of the best releases, one of the best types of releases is actually the one that we did where we were on hand when the lineup was forming and you are transparent with your customers about how many you have of each size. And it was first come, first serve, but banded. It was first come first serve where if you also, and we like checked on the line a couple of times too. Like we told them like, you know, we would randomly check the line, you know, about once an hour or so just to make sure everybody was still there. If you weren't there, like we gave you five minute grace period or whatever for going to the bathroom or whatever. Um, but you were out of line if you weren't there. And then after that wristband, we then get grab a new one and issue it to the next person who, who wanted it. Um, I think that you need to build relationships with your customers and, Right now, there's this whole idea of everybody gets an equal shot, um, which I understand that's great and all that everybody quote gets an equal shot. But you have any idea how many of the of those you know sea of human beings outside of a store have not bought one damn thing at that shop in the past year or two years? And it's like you know, you, you, so you have your loyal customers that you're basically saying, oh, you're just as equal as somebody who never shops here. You're just as equal as somebody who's never shops here, uncle who came along just to increase their chances. Right. And I think that's a really bad thing that happened when stores started doing that, saying, oh, everybody's equal, everybody's fair. It's like, wasn't that the whole point of the boutiques in terms of customer service and building a community and an audience and a you know, network of, of people who you know, really fucked with you, on, you know, on a big, in a big way? Like when you just basically said everybody's all equal, you basically said, you know, no matter how loyal you are to the shop, we don't value the, you the same. Well, that's something, and, we talk, that's something we talked about when Solfrito was here about those relationships that used to exist back when you had to know somebody or build some sort of rapport or relationship with somebody. And, and I, you know, I brought up how black sheep, like when SBs weren't everywhere, like I used to always buy from black sheep and from um, that store that used to be in Cleveland. I can't remember the name of it right now, uh, but those are the two places I bought SBs from. And I, I got really, you know, I built relationships through emailing with the owners or the managers or, you know, those people. And, um, and that's how I got shoes. And like you said, like then once it started going to raffles, I couldn't get those things anymore because they had a new system in place. And even though I had been shopping there for three, four years and had that relationship, like it, it was gone. Even relationships that I have at Foot Locker now with these apps, like the, you, there's nothing they can do anymore, even though I've been shopping with them for 10, 11 years because it's out of their control now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. that, that's that social media pressure. Like 
just like what happened with Tennessee, the coach who was going to, what, Greg Shiano. Oh. Once you start, once these thinker companies and boutiques start feeling this social media pressure to be fair and we never get them and blah, 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 they start, that's when they have to start focusing on giving everybody an equal opportunity, which which does suck. Um, being that Ryan said a few weeks ago about the possibility, like Nice Kicks having three locations, it's still three locations, right? Yeah, there are three. There are three nice cases. Is stores. it a possibility? Like Ryan brought up a few weeks ago, is that there's just a a sneaker boutique saturation? Like there's just, I mean, trying to get Yeezys and everything right now. There are so many shops and so many places to get sneakers nowadays. I mean, is it is that a problem as well? Like, is it take away from the customer experience of certain amounts going to certain places or even having a fair shot really to get them? If there's so yeah. many options, well, so so you since you mentioned so I do want to clarify for anybody who's listening. I sold retail in 2014. I've not I've not had any involvement with that really uh, since then. Um, that's been operated by another group um, and whatnot. I receive a royalty off of it, but uh, it's not me. So I've definitely seen. I've heard a lot of complaints from from things, and it sucks because it's like literally hands are tied. I can't do a damn Wait, thing about it. What is this that you're um, referring to? So Sorry. The shot, the nice kick stores. The nice, the shot, nice kick stuff. So totally different group that's running it. Um, oh, I didn't know that. There is so yeah. So there's a yeah. I know. So there's a, pr- a big problem with um, I feel with retail right now, in that, and I'm you know like it, it's like there's uh, I hate that I had sold, but I know that it was the best thing for me uh, when I did because the last thing I want to do is own retail stores for right now personally, mm-hmm. um, and stock and have to re- operate it the way it's done. Um, but I think that what happened was not long after, um, you had a lot of energy product. You had a couple things happening. You had brands and retailers getting, and retail, I'm talking about big box retailers, getting access to energy product that traditionally was not going into big box stores and mall chain stores, uh, nationwide chain stores. And so that already kind of took away a little bit of the specialness of it. Um, you know, putting it in the mall, like Yeezy's in a mall, like say that aloud, go back to 2012 and say Yeezy's in a mall. And, and you, you would think that sounds absolutely insane, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the only, I think the Foot Locker had four stores that got um, the Yeezy twos. And those were like, you know, their 34th street uh, right. uh, Foot Locker yeah. in Manhattan and like Beverly House of Hoops Harlem, maybe one or, or like the Beverly Center, some other yeah. place, like right. very, very limited Pairs going to the largest purchaser of Nike products worldwide, right? But um, you know, a lot of brands started putting all these energy products kind of at scale. They're like, "Oh, the sneakerhead thing is a big. We can make it a big business now. We're just going to make more pairs, put them everywhere." And they put them in a lot of boutiques who were not getting to play in that category before. Uh, they were putting a lot of boutique product where it shouldn't have gone, in my opinion. And what that did, unfortunately, a lot of those a lot of those stores weren't really set up for those kinds of special products and those kinds of special launches. And to me, it kind of made the the really special products less special. And also, I don't think that they really, you know, these are not really retailers that build relationships like boutiques did. Like, I mean, I think that's the biggest difference between a boutique is that 
um, and, and just like a regular, you know, mall chain store, urban independent, whatever level you want, is that boutiques have always had the closest relationships with their customers traditionally. That's yeah. the, very, the very closest relationships with their customers. First name basis, how many customers you walk in, you know them by their first name kind of thing. And, but, you know, in, in the mall world and the big box retail and all that kind of stuff, you don't, you, that's not really their, their business model. Their business model is volume and their business model is numbers. Their business model is sell-through rates over the past 60 days and all that kind of stuff. Boutiques don't, literally don't even use that language at all. Like, we really, it's really just about, like, making sure Vinny gets his pennies because he was talking about those eight months ago and he really wanted them. Like, that's, that's what boutique world is like versus the other way. Um, so I think that's kind of what happened. And then I think the brands and the big box guys or the big name guys, they really love the energy and hype weekends. They really love the big weekends where all these people were coming down. That was so, kind of a new thing for them. Um, but I think that now there's too much emphasis put on too few of shoes uh, per year. You know, like it's, it's like, if you think about it, like everybody is like, if it's not a Yeezy or it's not an off white or, you know, like a handful of other shoes each year, it's like, there are a lot of people who don't even want it. Yes. Like they just don't want it. Um, you know, I walked in the mall this, this week and it was kind of sad, like just seeing a ghost town of what was like, you know, what would have been a pop and mall this time of year. And there's like literally no one. I spent probably two hours collectively in between four or five uh, retail stores of sneaker stores. And I saw one transaction in those two hours. And, and you, know, you know, you look in the product and it's like, it's not bad product, but it's not product that I know we've received much talk from the brands about. So if we haven't heard much about it, it just, you know, I know the consumer hasn't. Well, it also goes and back to. Oh, go ahead. Like GR needs to be something special. It it it, it really should. They like I've always said. Like there's every product can be a great product. It doesn't have to be a collab or limited to be cool. Like growing up, my all the we only had GRs. Yes, there was no such thing as limited where I was from for sure. No, no. but Quick limited only really became like a a category of with a marketing strategy really like in, in 99 and early two thousands with Nike quick strike before that, like the, you know, you didn't make a product limited by design. That was stupid. And I, and, so, I think, and I think it goes back to a lot about what you said earlier about, you know, GRs used to be semi limited and they used to fly and you walk into a store now and you see air more up tempo sitting there. You see Jordan five sitting there, Jordan ones, like everything sitting there that we, that everybody asked for more of, and now there's more. And just like you said, now nobody wants them. Look, I'm sitting here looking at a pair of shoes that I picked up this weekend at the outlet, the Air Max 2-Up Tempo Quick Strikes, um, those like olive green suede ones. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's a Quick Strike shoe, and I bought it at the outlet for $40. Like a Quick Strike wouldn't have lasted longer than 10 <clears throat> Like even a Quick Strike almost is a general <clears throat> release now. Like there's no. It's, oh, I know. I mean, and that's the other thing too is like, also, too, like, you know, the word GR, like, I mean, I remember just going into finish line, getting the, you know, the dopest Air Max 97s I could buy. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's all it was. It, you know, like, you didn't know different tiers of of things. And, you know, there was never a stigma of, like, oh, that's a GR. You know, like, fuck that. It was, it was, it was a shoe. Like, come yeah. on, man. Um, but I think it is crazy now. Like, I was at a mall. What was this? This is the South Coast Plaza. This is about a year and a half ago when I lived in Irvine. And I went over there, and I saw these kids at the Foot Locker store, which has a house of hoops in it in the back. And I saw this kid like asking 
like pulling an ultra boost off the wall and talking to his friend, what do you think? And they're like, what, what's it flip? What's it flipping for? What's it going for? And like, you know, they were looking at their phones, like checking the price of it. And I asked them like, Oh, you guys buying to flip shoes? Like these are just GR ultra boost. They're not going to sell too much. They're like, Oh no, we're just checking to see if they're selling for more than retail. I'm like, Oh, but you're not reselling. Why do you care about what they resell for? They're like their, their response was, well, we want to wear a shoe that people think we paid more for than we actually paid. <laughs> Oh well, and, and I'm that. like, fuck. That's what that's the new definition of value. But if you think about it, in this Instagram world, you know, where people are flexing for clout, and you have your clout fits or doing it for the gram, like it's sad. There are a lot of kids who have this false sense of importance because they have this idea that other people think they paid X amount of dollars for the for what they're wearing. It's not and even that's, it, 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 the value. The value in what they're wearing now, and then they put a lot of value into even winning. I mean, yeah. there there's so many posts yesterday of people posting their email of them winning the black cause. Like, it's not enough that you just personally want it. You got to show everybody the email that you wanted or lost. It's like you have right. to receive some sort of attention one way or another. Me, Ryan, and George talk about it all the time. There are people who will wake up in the morning, put their put a sneaker on, take a picture of it, post it, and go to work. They didn't even wear that sneaker that day. It's just no. to put on some type of show for an audience that they don't care about you. I mean, I understand, you know, you want to put on a dope outfit and you may take a few pictures that day. I get it. But when you start taking putting your clothes on the ground, you know, you start putting your clothes on the kitchen floor in a grid, my pants, my shirt, my jacket, my shoes, my socks, and my belt, and start showing people your fit. You've elevated to another realm of I have to be more important than the next man. When Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is you got this you got this generation of kids, and I mean, it's really a big generation now. Like, if you think about it, a high school senior today uh, probably signed up for Instagram when he was in seventh or eighth grade. Um, and the sad part is, is like his whole teenage life or his whole pubescent life has been, you know, instead of seeking out attention from the opposite sex or, you know, trying to stunt on his own gender, you know, in the halls of school, he's more worried about how many double taps are on a photo of him. Yeah. And like that to me kind of shows, you know, like that, that helps me understand why things have gotten to where they've gotten. Um, and you know it, it, it's 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 sad is what it is. No, it um, really is. I but mean, this is this is something I talked about like before, you know, and I talk about frequently. Like people are like, oh, the, the business is growing, growing, growing. And I'm like, yeah, just it's going to collapse really soon. They're like, well, what do you mean it's going to collapse? It, it continues to grow. Well, let's go That's to the sheik. Then. Well, what what is the touch point that these kids have that want? Like, what is the retroable moment for these for these kids with shoes? And that's, like, there are going to be some who who are going to hang around for sure. But like, if you think about it, a lot of these, a lot of kids who have been buying shoes for a while online, you know, they never had that anticipation of finding a store that had the shoe they were looking for. Then walking up and oh my god, they have them. Do you have a size eleven? And the guy goes to the back. And it's like literally like the anticipation of 
how quickly does he come back through that double swing door? Does he have a box in his hand? Yeah. Does he have a box in his hand? (laughs) If he has a box in his hand, is the size label pointed towards you or towards his body? (laughs) He he doesn't want, like, dude, there's so many things about it. Does he have two boxes or one box? If he had two boxes, two sizes around it or one box? Because you would say, I would say, yo, do you got a nine and a half? He bring out a nine. He bring out a a nine and and he bring out a ten. He'd be like, God dang it, you got to choose. And that anticipation, like you yes. said, is gone. Your but, anticipation yeah, now. Yeah, but these kids don't have that moment. Instead, they instead they you know they paid somebody to cook for them, and then UPS <laughs> drops a box off on their on their doorstep three days later. Sorry, it's not really a great experience. No. And, and you I know, it's like it's just not. And like, and the thing that was crazy to me is like I saw these brand like these retail brands uh, paying money or sending out product to kids to unbox on YouTube, and I'm like. You guys are literally telling your the masses that it's <sighs> cool to not go to your stores anymore. It's much cooler to open boxes in front of a camera. Yeah. Like you are doing that. You don't realize that, but that's what you're doing. You're telling these kids like don't go to Champs Foot Action Finish Line Foot Locker and have a shopping experience. It's like, "Hey, look what came in the mail today. Slice it open. Look, I got a shoe." And so these kids like actually think it's the cool thing is to open up a box, not go into a store and experience things. And that's and like, you know, before we even get to like the YouTube and stuff like that, like going back to what you said about the anticipation. Oh, you, you guys talk about that from time to time? Oh, yeah. Every once in a while. It's, it's we touched, touched, on, touched on, it. on it. I think once we've or twice. touched on it. Um, <laughs> but like you said, that anticipation of the guy coming out the back room with the sneakers. It's now. I mean, yeah. they're memes now. The anticipation of the UPS truck pulling up, looking out the window. Yeah, like, that's your for the new anticipation. Now, with Sheik filing for bankruptcy, what was that today or whatever it is? Um, yep. What happens? I mean, we just talked about. I don't. We don't go to the mall. Like George said, he went to a Foot Locker today. The first time in what a year? Not today. Uh, oh. Whatever day I picked that three fifty up. What was it? Saturday. Oh, okay. But that was the first time I've mm-hmm. been in Foot Locker, and can't even remember the last time. Probably well, there's you. no. There's no like. Matt said there's no reason to anymore. And even like more on the anticipation thing, I don't know how it was for you guys, but I would get a pair of shoes for back to school and I would get a pair of shoes for Christmas. And I think that's why like I sent them both a text yesterday because the Air Force Max 2 uh, OG Charles Barkley PE colorways have been releasing in Asia and they're going to hit here soon. And like to me, like I love that shoe because I got it for Christmas when I was in, I think, third grade. And like the memories mm-hmm. of that, like nowadays i feel like kids i feel like kids today just get whatever the fuck they want whenever they want it and it's not even just online but like i I don't know i feel like the way that kids are raised now is different as well which 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 goes back to your point about at what point do they have nostalgia because like these shoes are important to me because i remember opening them on christmas or i remember wearing them my first day of school but if you have 80 pairs of shoes as opposed to the two that I had a year when I was a kid, how do you pick which ones were most important to you or like why that was a special shoe for you? Well, see, with us, that's the thing, too, with us. I was arguing with somebody on Instagram yesterday. I, I argue with a lot of people. And, <laughs> I, the, you know, the word nostalgia for us, I'm sure between the four of us, we have the greatest sneaker stories ever growing up. And sneakers have released... So many times and so often. You there, Matt? Mm-hmm. Oh, what you drinking? You drinking them? 
I'm drinking water, man. I drink a lot of water every day. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we, no, we thought a noise was creeping in. I thought, thought you were drowning. Um, you were going to fly out there soon. No, I'll, I'll throw the mute button on. I'm no, that's all good. That's all good. But, uh, no, like, it's funny because I was like, man, somebody was like, yo, it's nostalgia. And I said, you know what? I'm 34. I think I'm about to be 35 soon. Like, You think? You think? I think I'm 35. <laughs> um, I've run out of nostalgia. Like, I've had it all. We've had it all so many times now. And like you said, when something drops like a Barkley PE, you're not going to pay retail for no I'm not going to pay. I probably you're won't not going to pay for retail it. No. for it. But I'm going to buy it. You're going to wait for it to go on sale, but you're definitely going to buy it. I'll be, just like the Agassi LWP. I will definitely buy the Agassi LWP when it comes out, but I will not pay retail for it. Because nobody else cares besides me and George. That's a fact. Right. So I mean, I think that the bigger issue that we've got now is that I don't think that companies and especially in footwear uh, have considered that nostalgia might not actually be of interest to um, all generations. Well, it's not, you know, like if you think about it, um, you know, I know my generation, I was read this really great piece on what what website was, I think it was wired talking about like how you were born in 83 or 84, you were the luckiest ever. And I really do feel that I'm very lucky based on the year that I was born because I was I was um, young enough to have the I was, I was in elementary school when I started using a computer, but I didn't have the Internet. Oregon Trail. And so I had to use I had to learn. I had to get com- comfortable with command prompt line at a very young age. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it could only do so much. So I still had to make believe in my mind while I'm using a computer. Nothing was literal because like, look at those graphics. They sure was hell weren't. And then but I but I was familiar enough with things like that. Then as I got older, I got the internet in a, in high school and I was able to basically research things online and discover all this information and how to find information online, but I didn't have social media. And I literally, you know, had I stayed in school, I would have graduated before, you know, any of it really came out, yeah. uh, any social media. So I'm, and then, you know, in the early twenties getting, you know, having an iPhone when at a very, still very, very young age. So I'm, I was able to start all that stuff, but at, I got it at different times and different periods in my life. Now, the part where I'm going to with nostalgia on this is that my generation, especially my age, I was 16 years old, right when 9-11 happened. And when 9-11 happened, I think 9-11 has a lot to do with nostalgia trend. I, you know, I was studying this, like, you know, there were very few images or videos that had surfaced online of like Rocco's Modern Life or Rugrats or Doug or all these things we had in our childhood. Right. Um, in the early part of the internet, but when broadband had started to become more widely available and we could watch video and the, you know, the technology had caught up to where we could really stream video and all that kind of stuff. There was this lust, there was this appetite, there was this hunt we all had that we loved when something from our childhood would pop up on the internet mm-hmm. and we could go relive our youth through that. And I think nine 11 was very important for that um, with myself and others in that, when 9-11 happened, like all on television was stuff we that really disturbed us at our age. And we kind of sought for something that was that made us happier. Remember the better times. Remember times when you didn't see this horrible stuff on TV all the time. And I think it, it made us want to chase our childhood um, more than other generations had. And, you know, if you look at BuzzFeed in its early beginning, some of its biggest posts were you know, like the 50 reasons why, like, 
Beavis and Butthead was whatever, or the, you know, whatever number of reasons why, like something from your childhood was, was the craziest. And there was for quite a long period of time, the internet had a lot of these hits where it was the first time he was making it to the web. And we really love that nostalgia. I mean, even that column that I did throwback Thursday for so many years, and we still do it today, but when we started throwback Thursday, like, you know, there were a lot of those shoes that I had to go out and buy because there was not a damn photo of them on the internet. Like there was not a single photo that was of any decent quality of the Air Force STS before I posted those things online. It's still like that and to I this had, day. Yeah, I mean, definitely for that shoe. Um, but you know, like there, there are a lot. There were a lot of things that you know, and that was, I think that nostalgia was great in that time. But you run out of things to relive, and you know live again and I, like you see that kind of with shoes you too like there are only so many great shoes you can really retro and right. we both can probably list off at least five shoes that retro that definitely shouldn't have retro because they yes. ran out of because brands ran out of things to bring back um but i think this generation i don't think that they are really i mean we already see the Arizona generations have been out and they're not really being chased after that much by kids these days well and lebron is in his you know you know, he had the what when it came out when the ACG came out was when the LeBron 14 was on on shelves and all that kind of thing, and that was at the same time that Michael Jordan had hit the last shot relative to his rookie shoe, and you saw that there was much more of a there was more of a demand for you know the 99 retro series than of of Jordan than there is the what is that 2016 and 2017 retro of LeBron. And yeah. see you you bringing up growing up in that specific era because that's the same era we all grew up in it's hard to really not discuss huh george is a grown man in that era. (laughs) Uh, it's Mm -hmm. hard to really discuss how great that era was and how much it meant to us and just society in society as a whole to younger generation or anybody else without being the old og hater this and that we're talking when you're you're talking like nine eleven. Like my son was born, and we my my, my stepson he was born in ninety nine, and we were just telling him we brought up the internet showed him nine eleven. I I forgot like he wasn't there. You know he no. wasn't. It's just crazy <clears throat> to have to show him on the internet, and the fact that I'm talking the best era of sports. We saw Absolutely. Iverson. We saw Jordan. We saw you know Charles Barkley. Barkley. We saw you know. You know, Mark McGuire, your Sammy Sosa, your Barry Bond. We saw all these athletes, and they yes, all yeah. tied to music, hip-hop, sneakers, <laughs> everything mm-hmm. you could think of. So we have an affinity to when it comes to, like, oh, man, I, I, I get annoyed seeing, you know, nerds outside, you know, nerds on YouTube unboxing infrared sixes. I'm like, you have no idea what you're doing or why these are even here. It's annoying. Right. But I can't tell them it's annoying because it's I you old, oh you don't get it, blah 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 blah. Fine. But it's an understanding of that's why like when I see stuff now in the news like Trump and all this crazy stuff, why it makes us extra angry because we've seen so much from our era. So when we see stuff that's just out of control, heinous, it makes us even more angry. Like, at, least, at least me. I'm talking yeah. to myself. It gets me to a point where like CNN is even allowed in my house because I get so angry right. of how the tides have turned so quickly. 
Um, like you said, I remember yeah. the internet, when the internet cracked off. Like, goodness, it was great. My friends came. I was one of the first ones in my neighborhood with internet. My friends came over just to look at it. We went to Playboy.com first, all right? Like, these are (laughs) facts, all right? We went a lot of weird stuff first. We were just trying anything, all right? And... It was crazy. It was amazing. Like you used to have to work to see naked ladies. When we yeah, were kids. you had to work hard to see naked ladies. Now I just go on Instagram. Like you know. Well, and you know, I love that you bring that up about you know not about how hard we had to look to find porn, but um, you know that in our day we had all those greats, right? All right. those great athletes, and some of the greatest plays that ever happened we didn't see live. No. And how did we find out about them? We either found out about them on SportsCenter if we had cable and we tuned in at the right time because, God forbid, there's no way we're going to sit through a whole other hour to get another crack at that clip. Um, Whereas today, and then, like, say, like, there were sometimes some amazing plays that happened. And then the next day, kids come, man, did you see that play Kobe made? And then he's like, the kid literally grabs the ball and tries to do what he can to show he did this and he did this and he did this. (laughs) Like, there was still this thing that we did where we had to envision and we had to see things and use our mind to create that visual for ourselves. I'm not going to lie. I was just going to say, if someone tells me that there's a super good play that just happened, if I can't find it instantly online, I'm talking about today, I'm angry. Like, if well, someone's like, did you see that play? And then I go look. Joke was, the old forum joke was picks or it didn't happen. Now it's like right. 4K yeah. video or you're a liar. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, 4K, 4K video or fake news. I mean, like, it's really got it. So I don't think, like, there's, it, it's just changed so much um, for – and, and the reason I bring that up is that, you know, like just that, that example of a kid like dreaming of doing this and, you know, doing that shot, that shot, that shot. Like we used to do that, you know, countdown at the buzzer and yep. before you take a shot. And there was a part of us, a lot of us that like really envisioned Michael Jordan doing that shot when we did that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, of course, and absolutely. today's kid, I don't think uses their mind to to dream and think as much as we did because they had so many visuals. They have visuals at their disposal um, all the time. That, and I think because of that, we don't. I don't think this generation conceptualizes in their mind their affinity and their connection to a shoe quite like we did. You know, like some of my, some of the first shoes I chased and I loved writing about out of the gate were not shoes I owned. They were all the shoes I saw in East Bay or some rich kid at school had. Like oh, I, it was never shoes I had. Ah, shit, I had a $50 budget at, at Big Five for pretty much my whole high school life. <laughs> you know, my whole life until high school, like late high school. And um, I think that now everything's like, yo, you talk about the Jordan. It's like you can just go to Google Images and show it to you. Oh, I remember yeah. the early days, but you know, of the, of the web, like you talk to people, you know, hadn't seen every single Air Jordan model and you had to kind of describe it to them. And you just sure as hell didn't have a smartphone to pull out and then show to them, hey, look, this is what the Air Jordan 4 looks like. Well, that's what we kind of talked you know? about. We talked about on previous episodes about, like, you know, events like SneakerCon. Um, you have an entire building full of individuals that have their cell phones out trying to videotape themselves at a sneaker event. And we talked about how I remember going to events like that using that opportunity to see a sneaker that I might not have ever seen before or I might, might not ever see, see again. again. I remember when, like, you know, it was a period of time where it was like I had never seen a Yeezy 1 in person yet. I had never seen it in hand. I had never seen it touched it yet. Now, with social media and everything is so oversaturated, I get, you know, I'll be like, man, I really want that Yeezy. 
But I'll see it so many times on the internet, I start to be like, I don't even like it anymore. Like, Well, and also, too, I think that we see it so much and you, you get to see all the details and everything like that to the point where you're like, I don't need to buy it now. No. I've gotten everything I need to see with it. And for a lot, you know, for me with a lot of things, like a lot of the retro pennies and whatnot, like for me, it was, it was, I think half the reason I bought a lot of those pennies that, you know, when I had the shot too, was just to actually hold those things in my hand, actually get to experience those things in person. Cause I definitely didn't get to do that before. Oh, right. 100%. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah the, the web has definitely changed a lot, but I, I really do think that the mobile web has really, is that, that is a different animal from you know the desktop web that we oh, you yeah. know had for so many years when, we, when the yeezys came out this or whatever came out recently oh the uh off white pack i had told george and ryan i said i can't remember the last time i had my phone ipad and my computer in front of me like i hadn't done that in a long time and i was like this is insane i was angry at myself i was like i am sitting here every 30 minutes trying to get an off-white sneaker and I'm angry at myself, and I just can't stop. I up, I lost on that mm -hmm. one. Next one, lost on that one. Next one, lost. And I can't stop. But I'm so angry with myself that I've allowed something to take two hours of my time, and I, it just drove me mad. I didn't even try for the Jordan One. I got so mad. I was like, I'm not even gonna try for it. Like, it's just a crazy yep. different time now. But going back to nice kicks and sneakers, and this is something I've mm -hmm. always personally wanted to know. So, collabs. So, mm -hmm. personally, New Balance 1500 and 1600 Nice Kicks are my personal favorites. But Nice oh, Kicks. I appreciate that. Nice Kicks. Now, Nice Kicks. <laughs> nice Kicks NMD could possibly, uh -huh. arguably, arguably be a top 10 collaborated sneaker of all time. How I does something that. like that even come about? Collaborations. And how does I it mean, work? Yeah, so collaborations really come from relationship building. Um, doing a collab was probably what my biggest goal was ever for years when I when I started the blog. Like, I just all I wanted to do was do a collaboration with someone. I wanted to create a shoe, and it wasn't about having my name on it. It's like I just wanted to make it my way, and you know, have it be an official thing done with the brand. Um, Hell, the first brand that actually pitched a collaboration idea too was Greedy Genius, and it was turned down. Um, what you know, this was back in like 2006. They said no. Um, <laughs> Greedy Genius. Wow. The I, uh, I, you know, my first collaboration project came with Ronnie uh, on the Gelite Three, and this was in 2000 and at either the end of seven or yeah, it was, I think the end of 2007. He gave me a call about it. Um, and he did like a, it was, a, it was called the trilogy pack. It was um, nice kicks, high snobiety, and another website, Culture Shock. Um, this was before Kit. And oh, that's way before Kit. Yeah, this is two thousand. I mean, I had met Ronnie in two thousand and six, December. Uh, actually, we had a there was somebody uh, who I knew, Rod Rainey, who who called me out of the blue. Somebody I had known like many years before. He's like, hey man, there's this guy I know. Uh, his name's uh, Ronnie Fogg. He, he's like a buyer at this uh, at this store. Uh, David Z first time I'd ever heard of David Z or, any, or Ronnie and he's like give uh you know he wants to link up and Ronnie called me while I was like you know driving somewhere in Austin and it just so happened that I was going to New York for the 25th anniversary Air Force One party like in two or three weeks and we just you know he called we just talked about sneakers for like probably 45 minutes or an hour then and um you know I was like hey look I'm coming up like let's meet when I'm in town and you know I, I made I trekked all the way down to Soho um 
from Midtown uh, walking because I didn't know how far shit was in New York. Um, you know, I thought like, hey, it was really tight together, right? Um, so I get down there and I met him face to face for the first time down there. And he that's when he showed me his gel like threes that he uh, had sampled um, at that time. And he actually gave me a pair of Timberland boots that he had done, um, uh, handmade 48 pairs in the Dominican Republic. Um, wow. And, you know, he was telling me about what he wanted to do. And we, we became really close friends. You know, we talked a lot about where the business was, what the brands don't see, what's missing in retail, how to, you know, get the pro- enter the product right and how to excite the, the, the people. And, um, yeah, he was, he gave me the opportunity to, to do a collaboration. I think he knew how much I really wanted to, because I was jealous of every project he ever did. Um, and so we created that first one that was the red Gelite three, um, that's called the 1.0 now because it was, we didn't know it'd be that there would be a sequel, but you know, that one like sold out in like 15 or 20 minutes, um, which at that time was like un- absolutely unheard of. Um, and sold online. It was the fat, it was, I think it was the first project he had that sold out that quickly. And it was, it was really awesome to see people, uh, really love that shoe. And, and then we did a second one, the 2.0, the, which went in a completely opposite direction from all bright red to a muted soft gray and like pulled off. I pulled off a lot of the materials, like the, the netting. I really wanted to have that sealed off. And then he worked with ASICs to, instead of screen print gel light three on the back, it was that it would be stamped. And the whole idea was to remove materials away from it and make it simpler. Um, so those were the first two collabs. And I think the third one actually was the New Balance 1500 that you were talking about. Um, and that came in at 2011 um, for our five-year anniversary of the blog. The 1600 was 2015, right? The blue? The 16 was 2014, yeah. Was it that it long ago? It was, my, it was my last project when I owned the store. And that one was a – that was the last one. And that was one that actually had – very actually i would say no ties to nice kicks whatsoever in terms of the story the story was all mine personally i lived in the caribbean when i was when i was um in high school um down in grenada and the grand ands is is the name of the beach that i would go to where it was kind of the cultural center um for that part of the island that i was living on um and every panel and every piece, every material has a, a distinct purpose of why it was selected. It represents different things of that of Grenada and, and that I, the island and the beach. So you guys, so you're hands on when it comes to collaborations. Like that's like we, I never every ever. So yeah, so all those projects, the the Adidas enemy that you're talking about, that was really designed by that was after I'd sold the retail, and that was actually done by someone at Adidas. That wasn't done by the retail side. That was done by Adidas. Uh, my friend Jimmy um, Manley, who he's the one who took that project on, put that put that all together. So, um, but the. Yeah, every everything I do like when it when it came to a project with Nice Kicks, I very hands on everything I had to do. You know, like I was a little bit of a control freak with that. Um, so then, with the know, NMD, I, were you heavily involved with that since you had sold at that point, or was no? That- I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, I they they had one direction initially for it that was. I'm not afraid to say it was fucking terrible. Oh. Um, and thankfully Jimmy was like, you know, he, he took it on and we had talked back and forth a little bit. He knew where I was about, you know, what nice kicks represents, what are important things of nice kicks, you know, storytelling aspect and, you know, red being the color was a very important part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jimmy, Jimmy nailed that one. But, oh, that's yeah. That's yeah, probably no, one of the top 
five collabs to me. That's I've only ever seen really that yeah, one. Yeah, it's funny once. because like the tie dye when he told when I'd seen the tie dye from Jimmy, I was like, man, this is awesome because I'd always wanted to do tie dye before, and it wasn't because of San Francisco, it's because of Austin. Um, and so when he showed the tie dye, I'm like, fuck yes, like that is amazing. I remember um, when it when the pictures actually, I was when the pictures first came out when the pictures first came out. I remember George loved them. <clears throat> And maybe Ryan did too. I don't mm. remember. They reminded me of Hulk Hogan's tights. And I, I did not like them. <laughs> I didn't like them at all. And then I'm walking through the mall, and this guy walks by wearing them. And I text Georgia Ryan. I was like, "Them joints are fire." Yeah, all right. I mean, one of the important things for for me whenever I did my projects on things is that I never wanted to ever make a product that I was wanted to look way better on foot first of all than um, just sitting on a shelf. Um, secondly, I always wanted it to be as close to relevant for the time, but I wanted it to be timeless. And so if you look at our projects, like with the fifth, the nice kicks 1500, um, you know, like that was definitely a time where crazy was really cool. And I didn't want to go over the top on it. Like this, that it might look good for then, but not, not going to stand with, with that's the, that's the time. Um, and that's kind of a, that's a tough challenge when you are designing collaboration. You know, oh, yeah. I think that that's why this year, I think this year's kind of been disappointing as a whole when it comes to collabs. You think um, so? You know, besides the, besides the off-white and, you know, the cause, besides those, like, there have been a lot that really haven't had any story to them. And I've seen, like, I, I can't believe how many triple, like, white, black, or, like, solid colors I've seen for a collaboration this year. I'm like... Dog, you've got the opportunity to create. Why would you go with something that looks kind of borderline safe? And so, what did like, you think about the, what did you think about the Kith Pippin pack? I thought well, that definitely wasn't solid tone in the the Pippin one. It had all the different, <laughs> the different materials on yeah. that. Um, that was pretty cool. I mean, I was I liked the Maestro two probably more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did think that the neon '95 colorway on the on the Pippin one was a pretty cool idea because very few probably ever looked at the panel structure of the Pippin one and thought, "Wait, I could do a gradient uh, flow yeah. like on the neon '95s." So I think that's like that's definitely a Ronnie thing right there. Like Ronnie saw those pan saw the panels and saw, "Wait, that's an opportunity that people haven't taken advantage of yet." So out of all the Kith Pippin, I'd say that's my favorite just because I think he saw something absolutely no one else has ever seen. Well, it's funny so, when you said about the, like, you see the collaborations come out with something just plain. I always thought to myself, maybe the collaborator didn't have say. Like, I just, I don't understand that as well. That's why I love the Off-White Pack so much because of how so it was. Oh, you knew he, it was his. Yeah, because it yeah. was taken apart. It yeah. was something that, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I had said Man, it it, it kind of takes some guts to say, you know, you want to do a collaboration of a Jordan 1 all the way through a Vapor Max. I mean, we, he went from like Jordan 1, Blazer, all the way to like the current Vapor Max, and he took them apart. Mm -hmm. You know, it, Killed it. it takes guts to say, you know, I'm going to take a Jordan 1 apart and I'm going to make it my way. Well, and I, I mean, like the thing I'm probably the happiest about is like what Virgil had told uh, people at the, um, the off-campus thing Ray had reported on this, which was that uh, you know Virgil had almost made the shoe white and like natural color. Yeah. And then he re he saw somebody in a he saw somebody in a uh, what's it called? Um, he saw somebody in an airport with jeans on with a dunk, and he's like, "Oh my god, 
that looks just like what the shoe, what my shoe would look possibly like with the with the Deans on. He's like, what makes the Jordan one the Jordan one versus every you know like the Dunk or you know a couple other shoes that were very similar? And it was like, oh wait, it's a color blocking on mm-hmm. it. And that's why that you know I, I really love that's why that Jordan one is that color uh, and it's different from the rest of the pack because he wanted to make sure it didn't look like or couldn't be mistaken for and part of the the greatest parts of the Air Jordan one was actually its color blocking. Yeah. And you know if you think about it, if you look at history, you'd never seen black and red paired together before Air Jordan. Like you saw black with white, but you never saw black with red on shoes before. And I think that that's that makes that shoe even better. Do you think at some point you have to stop making a shoe? Like you have to stop making a Jordan three or a, a four? You just I mean they did that. To <laughs> they took it away from the market. For See, so they long. do that, but they it's not as long as like they make it seem. I remember when they were like, "We're locking up the three for ever or something like that oh yeah it was it was retired indefinitely or whatever yeah. which in a michael jordan term could literally mean a matter of months yeah. um but you know, the, thing with, uh, the right. thing with the thing that i saw with the three actually the jordan three was retired longer than the first two retirements of michael jordan so i give him props for that <laughs> um but the thing with the jordan three i thought it was good that they did hang that one up for a while Um, I don't think that it came back at the proper time with the pant trend. Um, I think that, you know, it came back and when it came back, like it came back with what, like that, the cyber Monday, uh, colorway, that black with the, with the white bottom. And then it all, then shortly thereafter, the wool and the true blue. Like, I really think if you're going to take something away from, from the market and you're going to make a big deal about it. Do it like Stan Smith, and it's got to make a big entrance when it comes back. Yes. Because otherwise, you lost that whole story of that you took it away from the market. Instead, it's like, oh, the Jordan 3 is back. And it's like no one was really talking like, oh, this is the return of the Jordan 3. It's just like, oh, the Jordan 3 is back. Yeah, well, that you, kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? You just brought up the so Cyber I Mondays. That I couldn't you, even picture it. I was like, all, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's like that takes away from the Jordan 3. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it does. I mean, like, especially Michael Jordan of all of like of of any person to have phrases like "I'm back" tied to. I mean, Jordan shoes have got to be it. So if you're going to retire it, retire it, and you know, make it go dark. But when it comes back, like, make it a big return, like Michael did in the NBA. It should have been and the black. Like Michael Jordan always has. So I just don't think that there was all that planning when it was pulled from the market that how the return would be. So. so considering that you are i mean nice kicks was man one of the original uh sneaker blogs i mean it's the first the first i started i started yeah we were the first and there were just forums and message boards before and considering you know you're an original creator i mean starting a sneaker blog is original creation being the first how do you feel when you see and we're going to talk YouTube when you see the <laughs> when you see quote unquote YouTubers, quote unquote shoe tubers use something that you help cultivate basically as a prop for attention to themselves. I don't know a better way to put it because I, I don't like. a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, you didn't say think about what you created that you inspired these kids to create amazing content that furthered the conversation and storytelling of the shoes. You said, 
how did you feel when you created something that might have led to the inspiration on how to make a tent for themselves? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest, most frustrating things I had was when they, I would hear, um, you know, brands and whatnot put emphasis around digital video and YouTube. And they thought that like, they would see all these views on YouTube and they would think that those are views because of sneakers or that sneakers were somehow being elevated in that, in those videos. And it's like, I don't think they for once like looked through, it's like they didn't even watch the videos because it's like, if you watch a lot of the videos and this is not all of them, like, I mean, I think there are some fantastic videos about sneakers on YouTube. Oh, yeah. I mean, There's I love that what Jacques watch. does. I think Jacques is fantastic storyteller and probably one of the best on camera period. But I think that when people are talking sneaker YouTube, I think that generally the conversation is about when the subject or title line might include a brand and model, but the focus and the actual subject matter in the video is not that. It's the actual person in there. And there's nothing wrong with personalities. Fine. Like, that's totally cool. Be yourself. Like, I mean, remember what YouTube's tagline was from 05 to 07 when they launched was broadcast yourself. Well, that's exactly what a lot of YouTubers are doing. They're broadcasting themselves, but are they creating value for, for footwear brands or, or whatnot? Not really. In my opinion, I don't think they're doing things to create value or to gain respect. I think they're doing things for attention. And I think that something that is, is, is lost in by a lot of people who are creating videos is that they feel this pressure. I hear it all the time. Like, Oh, you know, like I, you feel the pressure to create a video a day. And it's like, that's really bad reason to create a video because you need, you just (laughs) quote need to, you know, like you should create a video because you have something of value to, to put in the video. Not like I just need to create something. And it's like also too, why are a lot of these videos 10 minutes and one second or 10 minutes and three seconds. Oh, you know, it's unveiled that, you know, YouTube was giving more, you know, edge rank or whatever visibility rank to videos that were over 10 minutes long. And it's like, so you felt compelled that you had to create a video for today because you have to make one a day. And then you felt compelled it needed to be more than 10 minutes. And a lot of these are not really videos. Like let's be honest here. They're not videos. They're recordings. Well, there are a lot of videos up there that are not really like edited at all. Oh, no. so that's the thing, too. Like, that's why I got I, I get annoyed when the word content is thrown around. So it's about like influencer now, which sucks. It, yeah. it is. And, and like, I don't like there's a few, uh, you know, sneaker reviews that I do watch. I watch like Trady Kicks, RJ, Mike Rich. You know, I've watched uh, Gabriel Kicks. There's a few, Mr. Meadows. I watch a few people that do sneaker reviews because I do kind of like the personality and they get straight to the point. I just don't like when these bigger <clears throat> YouTubers, shoe tubers, they call what they do content when it's just, it's not content if it's, you were forced to do it. Like you're not, you didn't create anything like, and they've, and like you said, they stress, oh, you know, it's hard making one every single day. You know what? This isn't content then. Like you're just here because, you know, you have nothing else to do. You don't know what else to do with yourself. And then now the fact that at some point throughout the years, they incorporated sneakers and they've become like the faces of the sneaker community. I mean, 
I absolutely, I will always support a sneaker con, but I absolutely hate it. I can't go to a sneaker con that's based around the faces of individuals that people see on YouTube. I can't. I It, it angers me to a point of it makes me sour well, I mean, to I, sneakers. I think that... Is, is it a is is the convention about sneakers or is the convention about personality? It's not. It's about personality. You know, like about, when you just described it like that. No. It, it's not about sneakers at all. That's why I told him that you should call it YouTubercon. It's this isn't a sneaker event anymore. It's like something where sneakers are present. It's like, I mean, I I honestly think that if some of these individuals weren't at sneakercon, it might be empty. You know. Because a lot of people, they're not even buying sneakers, all right? Well, they're, look at the last show that we went to locally that they were supposed to be there, and then they had to move the weekend, and it was empty. Yeah, like... And it normally isn't. I, I don't... Like, it makes me... It just gets me upset that, I, like I said earlier, I know we have great stories with sneakers. I hate the fact that there's not going to be a such thing as a, a sneaker OG anymore. There's not going to be a sneaker OG. These kids aren't going to become an OG in sneakers. They're greatest. There will be some. I, I oh, would, yeah, yeah, I okay. There, there'll be some. There'll be... I would, yeah, there will be some. There'll I think be some. There's also, I think that you know, also too. There's you know, like Michael Dell is a, a great example of this. Michael Dell was, you know, when his story is told, is he was the guy who um, first started buying and selling baseball cards, and that's where he started to learn how to be an entrepreneur and all that kind of stuff. There is a future CEO of a Fortune 500 who got his start buying and selling shoes oh, yeah. too. And so I think that there, that I think there are some positives to eventually, you know, you know, come to fruition from all of it. But I do agree that it has gotten to the point in a lot of ways that, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's not it's not creating value for pretty much anyone. I mean, I think that it might be occupying kids' time and it might be you know, shallow entertainment for them. Right. Um, but I don't really think it, it provides much value beyond that. I mean, it, it's sad because I think of like San Antonio, you know, sneaks up, like shout out to the whole sneaks up crew, Norm and everyone. It's like, these guys literally created a community, a free community sneaker event before there was any boutique in San Antonio. They did that for years before there was ever a boutique. You talk about real community events or Kodoma, the H-Town Sneakers. I'm, I'm going to go out to his show this weekend. Like, Kodoma started in a freaking sports bar because he was able to convince the guy to let him host some people for free to just meet up that were people who, they, they like, it was a thread on Nike Talk. Meet up, let's just meet face-to-face. And you see in, like, how much it's grown. I don't feel that, you know, uh, I, I feel like a lot of kids don't even have any concept of what that is anymore. What, you know, like people say, oh, there is no culture. There is no culture. It's like, well, a lot of stuff that is called senior culture is not culture for sure. But I wouldn't say there's no culture. I wouldn't say that there, like everybody has completely left the game from being positive. But I, you know, I'd say that it's, it's always been a community of collectors. I just think that the community of collectors have been looking for a different thing from the community than before. I think a lot of people wanted to give and, and bring back or, you know, and bring others in and give back to others. And I think now it's a lot of take, take, take me, me, me um, attitude and things. So based on that, I have a question for you. And yep. because one of my favorite things ever that Nice Kicks has done, and I used to look at it, however often you put it up, whether it was bi-daily or weekly, was Kicks on Court. I yep. absolutely loved Kicks on Court. <clears throat> 
I've noticed Still lately. Going. I think we just had a post like a couple minutes ago on on IG. Yeah. Well, I, well, I've just noticed it slowed down a little bit, like over the past year and a half, two years. So there's an individual who's a two-time Kicks on Court champion that used to play for the Phoenix Suns that we've all uh-huh. had the privilege to meet. That Greg yep. is a little bitter towards because he thinks that if he spent more time putting up jumpers than he did looking for rare shoes to stunt, he would be a better basketball player. <laughs> Why do you got to use the word bitter? I'm so, not bitter so <laughs> that he has sneakers. So so my question is, is when it, tur- when it started to turn from kicks on court being like a thing to where people didn't really pay attention to – athletes now trying to get featured on kicks on court did that sour you at all so it's crazy like we started the first kicks on court post i think i posted was in 2007 or 2008 Mm -hmm. i think it was 2008 actually it was the winter it was the sorry the summer games and i started following the redeem team Mm -hmm. and that's when i started i had the first kicks on court post and of course in their gold medal game like every guy had like something unveiled that game um and then, you know, we, we started doing it after that, um, right when I had hired the, the, the four original guys at the office in Lakeway. And it became a daily column on the site. And it was not long before we started to really, like, see that the guys on Twitter, like, you know, there's no Instagram at the time. Mm. The guys, uh, the NBA players on Twitter really started following us. Mm. And then we started seeing them retweet whenever they got to headline kicks on court. Like, that was the big deal. We started hearing from dudes like Nick Young and and whatnot, like Nate Robinson. God. Like, they really love getting, you know, respect for their, their shooting. <laughs> He's so angry. That's I think- so annoying. Greg is so angry about that. <laughs> Nick Young and like PJ Tucker and all them like they're not good at basketball. Like, ah. but, but why? Here's the thing: if they can have fun and have a more enjoyable time with that with their profession yes. through sneakers, why the hell not? Wearing because like a Yeezy two that- to hoop in is insane. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, okay, when Gilbert Arenas pulled out those Dolce, Dolce Gabbana's, like, that was that goofy. Was, that was what we were doing. That's what we do. Like, okay, dude, you, you are really playing into this. Like, Too hard. Right. Like, became the Gilbert watch. Like, it was just crazy. But when we would see. It was a fun um, year, though. That was a fun, it was a fun year to see what he was going to wear next. He was being, like, rebellious. But, I mean, before then. Kicks on Court on Nice Kicks, one of the greatest threads really was the Kobe you know, transition year where he had to be brand neutral. He could never wear one brand more than two games consecutively. And he had P.E. Jordans. He had P.E. Reeboks. He had P.E., you know, Nikes. Like, he was constantly switching between the three. Um, and it was so great. It was so much fun because there was all of a sudden this draw. This like, different. what did Kobe wear tonight? Because before, guys, it was kind of predictable what people would wear. And, you know, that's when things, I think, really started to change. Um, And I think with that, I was just going to say, because Greg said it here in studio off the mic, and I think I knew exactly what he was going to say. There's a little bit of a difference just because Kobe is Kobe. You know what I mean? Like, he's that good, and it didn't matter that. He or, was wearing seeing PJ Tucker yeah, pooping a Yeezy two, and his stats are his stats are six points as well. PJ Tucker's to, to defend PJ Tucker and Dick Young or whatever, like maybe those guys are not going to be you know Hall of Famers on first ballot, like all that kind of stuff. But guess what? 
those guys would ball the crap out of pretty much 99% of America anyways. They might not ball out the you know the top guys of the NBA, but still. According I to Greg, he could beat right. both of them two That's on one. But I he won't play no. me one on one. He won't play me one on one. Wrong. I can't beat <laughs> Nick Young in a three point contest. I could beat PJ Tucker in a three point contest. I would bet I would bet Yeezys on PJ Tucker against you in a three point contest. Look, man, I this is the thing. My argument was I saw PJ Tucker, I said PJ Tucker should be just as good as Kevin Love. Or Draymond Green. That's what I said. That's all we expect. Draymond Green doesn't average 25, 15. Draymond Green averages about 13, 8, 6. Like, that's some good stat lines. When I would see that P.J. Tucker was playing in Yeezy 2s, uh, some Rare 4, some KD, like, and I was like, okay, cool. And this stat line of the night. I remember people would post in Facebook groups, yo, P.J. Tucker wore Yeezy 2s tonight. I looked at his stats, three points, one rebound in 47 minutes. I said, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> 47 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it drove me wild. Like, it just drove me wild. And I get it. I get it. They, they're having fun. I 100% get it, and I'm not bitter being a hater. Well, see, I think the interesting thing here is all of us kind of hate the, like, over-officiating of celebrations in, in sports. We like when guys celebrate when they do stuff, so it's kind of weird that Greg has that stigma. I don't know, man. Like, now I see, like, Terrence Ross and all these cats out here hooping in Concords and Jordan 4. I don't know why it bothers me. I have no idea why, though. <laughs> well, and that was the thing. Like, when the nice kicks kicks on court started, like, you would see Mello rocking, like, some. But it's not like Mello was trying. Like, Mello was just wearing a P.E. that he had made for him. And Chris Paul was making a P.E. that he had made for him. Or um, Kawhi Leonard or whoever. Like, it, it's guys that, like, they weren't trying to, like, stun or look cool. Those like, they were just wearing what was in their locker <laughs> that Jordan Brand sent them. And then it turned into, like you said, like the Nick Youngs and the P.J. Tuckers going and searching for, like, all right, what is going to get me that cover? What's going to get me no, in no, the no. list of 20 people say that... It, I, I, say it. What's going to get you those Instagram double taps? Fast. That's, That's what they're looking for. That's what true. did you send me today? You sent some sneak. I had never seen those. I sent you a picture of P.J. Tucker Tucker's posted locker. today of his locker next to Chris Paul's locker and all, like, all their shoes mixed, and it said something like, when you when you have me and Chris Paul's locker next to each other, it's right. infinite heat or something. And I was like, I bet Chris Paul walks into the locker room and sees Peter Tucker messing with his shoes and is like, bro, stop touching my shit. All right, so does Pete? I don't follow yeah. BJ Tucker. Does he post videos of like him working out in the gym? Or he posts pictures of him driving. He posted a picture today. I saw it earlier when I was looking right. for the picture again of him driving a Lamborghini. Okay, singing. Stupid. Does he post like pictures of himself working out, shooting jumpers, or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, he does. Okay, so he does both at least. It's not just all one sided. That's my man, question. If I'm gonna talk about the kids wanting the double taps, there are some grown men who out here want the double taps. If I had a Lamborghini, I'd be oh, posting. Pause. We know they're grown men who want the double taps. I mean, pause. they're also this this kind of this kind of uh yeah well go here this uh <laughs> there's also this kind of sick thing of grown men trying to get like. Props from twelve-year-old boys and person. That part kind of creeps yes, me out too. It is just saying, but it, no, no. I mean, the sneaker YouTubers. That's uh, that's the, the worst of that's that the song. society. Ah. That, that's the entire quote-unquote culture. Like you said, people say like there's no culture. No, there's culture. I just sometimes don't like it, and sometimes I do like it. When I win a cause, yep. when I win a cause for, in my mind, I'm like, oh man, that's tight. I want a cause for, but. I'm not a fool. In the back of my mind, I'm also like, dang, I could get 1700 for this. And then in my back of my mind, I'm like, Oop. and then I'm also thinking, I'm also thinking, 
I have a responsibility to keep this sneaker. Like, it's but a you know, weird the thing dynamic. Crazy when you say that, I, I can't. I, I still can't get over the fact that winning a cause for is could be something like fifteen or seventeen hundred dollars to me because it's like, do you remember the days when like a, a super OG pair of shoes of OG Jordan like was cracking the seven hundred mark? You're like, oh man, that's just way too much to spend for a pair of shoes. Absolutely. I can't spring for that. Oh, we still talk like, about this day. The, Who can afford top, that price? The top line was like. I remember people were like talking about how flight club prices became like a thing, like became flight club prices when they were charging like four hundred dollars for a pair of threes that might sell like on the forums for like two seventy five or three hundred. So it was like saying like four hundred or four twenty five was just like this outrageous price for a pair of shoes. It's, and it's like it really started with the Yeezy ones, like the Nike Air Yeezy, uh, the original that. The thousand dollar mark was really cracked out of the gate for a shoe that was relatively was produced in relatively larger numbers. You know, like yeah, there were shoes that sold for more than a thousand at that time, but those were like you know forty eight pairs in circulation kind of thing, friends mm-hmm. and family. Not a general, not a, a pair that was released to the public that most people had some kind of relative access to. Um, and now, like these prices, I mean, they're just—I I can't even—I can't justify them. Like, you know, I live down in Texas. Like, we're literally talking about talking about pretty nice mortgage payments on your feet. Like, that just does not make sense to me. I'm sorry. Well, it's 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 weird because with me personally, we talked about it. Well, there was like a limit where it was like, oh, I'm never paying this amount, and then it like, oh, I'm never paying this amount now, and it just kept creeping up. And with me personally, it happened with phone posits. We weren't buying phone posits anymore to wear or ever to wear. But when those kept getting higher and higher, it became to me more acceptable to pay that on something that I'm willing to wear. Paying. Some- I'm glad you brought that shoe up, the phone posit, because when that shoe went over two grand, I was like, oh, the Galaxy ones. I was yes. like, okay, this is. And I actually have an article that's half written now. Um, you guys hear, hear it first. It, the, the title of the article is "The Sneakers That uh, the, the Release That Ruined Sneakers," and it's about the Galaxy Phone Posits. <laughs> um, you know, the 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 Concord Elevens came out as a retro, and that was one that you know unfortunately got some bad press for Nike on a bigger scale, and you know not just Nike, but just retailers and the sneaker culture and as a whole. When you saw the videos of people, because remember, 2011 and the 2011, most people had the 3GS iPhones, and now we were starting to get videos deployed everywhere and you had videos go up of people being stupid for shoes like breaking you know doors at malls and that kind of stuff right. um shortly thereafter the galaxies happened the galaxies were so limited and there were so few places that got them um and they you know the the release wasn't handled properly at a mall in orlando it, things were disorganized i remember like they had helicopter police helicopters like 3000 people, 3, people trying to get into the mall for like 20 something pairs and it was like dude of course this is going to be a nightmare and uh shortly thereafter like um you know nike changed release policies to retailers like we got an email i was actually looking in my inbox for the stories on on uh, april the 19th i got an email from uh, my Nike rep, he forwarded it over and it talked about, hey, these are the new rules with launches. And one of the things they deaded was um, midnight releases. We couldn't do a midnight release um, uh, or party with that ever again. Uh, we weren't allowed to tell people, not allowed to display a product before release or, um, and that was not only in store, that was also online, which put us in a odd predicament because I immediately saw that email i'm like okay cool you want to make things safer for consumers all right 
no no lineups, okay, whatever. But I said this whole thing of nice case not being allowed to talk about a shoe before it comes out, that's kind of going to be a problem with us because that's kind of what we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it led to a problem with, with myself and Nike for that didn't end until I sold the store in, in that they wanted – like in, internally at, at Nike, they wanted to say that Nice Kicks was a retailer, not a media outlet, not a website. And uh, we were a blog well before we were a retailer. Well, and it's just one store, you know? So they, like, we weren't allowed to post shoes until the release date, until they had come out. We were not allowed to post shoes for like, and this went on for like almost six, seven months in 2012. Well, that kind of brings up another thing. Why was Nice Kicks like one of the original people to always be able to sell Nike online. Like we were so when I when I went in, like I went in in 2010 to pitch marketing ideas to uh Nike. And we had, you know, just opened the store and my rep and the regional rep wanted me to come in and talk about opportunities. We were like, "Look, there you know, the obviously the rep is from Texas, the regional rep was from uh, Texas as well. And he's like, there are a lot of things in this market, you know, Texas is the second largest state in the n- nation and growing faster than any of the other uh, larger states in terms of growth. And uh, Nike really wasn't doing anything in Texas. There were like almost no marketing activations by that company um, in Texas. So that's what I went up there for was like, hey, let's activate around Texas relays. Let's activate around South by Southwest. Let's activate around like, you know, UT football games. Kevin Durant went here. You know, like there's uh, so many things. Like we're only a block from the UT campus. So it was like, you know, there were a lot of things I went to pitch there. And one of the fellows in the, in the room said, you know, you pitched all these marketing ideas that I love and I think are great. But he's like, how come you didn't mention anything about selling Nike products online? And I'm like, like, huh? What? <laughs> He's like, you didn't, you didn't say anything about asking about to sell Nike online. I'm like, I never thought that was ever an option because you never have let anybody do that. They're like, never say never. And I walk out, I'm like, oh shit, it's about to go down. Oh my God, this is amazing. Because when I'd opened the store, I had assumed I would never be allowed to sell a Nike shoe on the internet. I just accepted the fact. And, um, the only account that had at that time was like undefeated. And I don't think they were really doing much in terms of online sales, only like certain small drops they'd put online. Like no one was really doing it. And sure enough, we got the approval to sell. And this was in, I guess like the summer of 2012 is when we started to be able to sell Nike product online, which was great. But yeah, before it was, you couldn't, we couldn't sell Jordan online. Um, but you know, we can sell Nike then. Oh, that was crazy because, I mean, there's still sites now that still make you try to call in, like, Packer and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, I mean, it's crazy, too, it's crazy, too, because at that time, one of my arguments that I made when I was, you know, like, you know, when I heard it was an opportunity, because I had to go through a lot. Like, remember, I said 2010 is when we when I first pitched it, and I didn't get to do it until summer 2012. There were rounds of discussions and presentations, and one of the things that I brought up was that, you guys literally are selling thousands of pairs to retailers in the United Kingdom and Europe who are selling them just back to Americans. And I'm like, all your, <laughs> like so much of your growth in UK for Jordan brand was not selling to people in UK. <laughs> it was they're right. shipping those shoes back to the United States. <laughs> and I was like, why would you, and because in the European union and, and in England and the, most countries around the world, like, a brand or a supplier can't tell a a retailer what they can and can't do with that product that they bought. 
You know, like there's also no MSRP in, in a lot of countries. They're, a, a supplier is not allowed to tell a store what they can and can't sell a product for. Very different in the United States. Um, but so all those European shops were allowed to sell online. It was just, it was maddening how many pairs were being shipped from Europe to Americans and American boutiques were not allowed to sell to Americans. That's crazy. Like, this is outrageous. Yeah, so, that, you know, I, I remember that I, I was like, man, I was like, man, it's crazy how on Nice Kicks, I didn't understand that entire process. I remember George would always talk about it. Um, but like you were saying, in Europe, like people were trying to find a connect, you know, somebody you knew in Europe or overseas or in the military that can buy those pairs online and uh, send them yep. back over here, you know. Yeah, it was wild. And also another thing I was always I found so wild too is that a lot of brands, and this is not just Nike, like when we had the Nike approval, like pretty much every brand would not allow us technically to send shoes overseas. You could only sell to US customers. We had to like I think New Balance had once made us think about it and I put a like a line on there like US addresses only. Like if they ordered from overseas, I was letting that shit go. Like I don't give a fuck. That's not my issue. <laughs> you know, like um but the thing was that it was so wild because while we couldn't ship overseas, they were sending stuff to America like nonstop. There were no restrictions on them to only sell in their local markets online. So it was wild and wild times. Do you think this generation or this wave of sneakerheads, the greatest story that they'll ever have about sneakers is how they once copped Yeezys? <laughs> I fear for this, the longevity of this industry in terms of sneakerhead is that they won't have anything they ever want to remember or, you know, I, I just don't think they will. I also think the other problem that you have of this, of, you know, like there aren't a lot of retroable moments for these kids that I, that they want to relive. And well, the original, I they just, don't care about the original, like let alone the retro. I mean, I, yeah. I can't oh, imagine I a LeBron like, 14 it, retro wing. Like that's insane. I mean, and also, too, you have to think, like, you know, a lot of the shoes that are built are kind of built, quote, for the future or today. Like, you know, the NMD is a great example of this. This is a fantastic shoe that's built for today's consumer, today's on-the-go guy, you know, like kids who are walking, lots of, you know. I remember NMD, so the, it, it was called, the, the name NMD Nomad. is, it was first called the Nomad, really. It stands for Nomad. And the reason it was NMD is that those are the three letter call letters you might say that you would find on an airport or a train station. Huh. So it was meant for the ur the urban nomad of today. And that urban nomad, like when they picture that, it just pictures this kid who, or this guy who travels, you know, the world and he's in airports and train stations, he's on the go. And this is the shoe for the future, for that future urban nomad. Um, I think that, 10 years from now, I don't know that we're necessarily going to see a retro NMD and a desire to have that retro NMD just come out um, and, you know, just come out of nowhere, completely disregarding what current fashion trends are. I think that they, Adidas is building for the future where people are wanting to consume shoes that are more built for today's world and the future than they are wanting something that was back then. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talk that like classics is a business that will stick around, but retro is a business that might actually not exist, um, you know, in five years. Now, you know, there's a very strong chance of it. Now, would you, but would we have said the same thing about Air Max 97s, 95s, Air Max 1s, 90s, et cetera, like that, 
you know, those were built to with the technology they had then for that time. But I mean, there is still a desire for them now. There is now. I mean, I think that the 97 was so futuristic that mm-hmm. it was not well received at the time because it was too futuristic. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely hear that argument that, you know, and it, sometimes it's just, look, there are going to be pop moments that make something happen, yeah. you know, like things that, that get that happen, you know, like I think that uh, like a lot of the air more up tempo run is that, you know, this was the one shoe that was big, bulky, and made of leather in a sea of knit shoes that yeah. were slimmed down. I think that, that that it hit at the right time, you know, in terms of like it was the zig to the zag. And I think that um, I think the mistake that Nike had was that Nike interpreted that. I mean, I even had a, a friend at Nike ask me this. He's like, people are talking that there's this interest in Pippin. There's a Pippin story to be told. I'm like, it ain't Scottie Pippen. Like, I mean, I love the guy. He's one of my favorite basketball players of all time. Like, right. but it's not about Pippen. It's about the shoe. It's about the, the way it looks even. It's not even about the actual product. Um, so I think we'll see things like be able to pull back from the archives um, that way. But I don't know that we're going to nece- necessarily be able to, quote, tell a Barkley story like we used to. I don't know if we're going to – I'm trying to think of like a <clears throat> mid-2000s, you know, like – retro bowl guy i mean we're not going to have the fr- the reebok franchise you know be a retro like it's not right. going to happen or anything yao ming like, it's not gonna be a retro bowl thing or the rezig i don't think going forward how huh? the rezig <laughs> oh geez how long do you think we have until you know <coughs> people stop caring about supreme and stuff like yeezys that? like yeezys and i mean i think that you know, it's, it's amazing. Like Supreme has been just an incredible story. I think both Supreme um, and Kanye are incredible stories to me because wh- what separates Kanye from any other artist who wasn't able, you know what I mean? He got his own deal with Nike, yeah, but I think that, why hasn't I think anyone else's shoe those, blown up like that? Yeah, I think that you're gonna see some. It's gonna be either something else will come in and slide in and take the attention away, um, or. You know, like, look, our, our, our economies are not immune from another financial crisis. And last time that happened, that really shook up the shoe market as well as streetwear markets, the urban wear market. Like, everything got completely shaken up. Like, go ask, um, go ask how True Religion and, you know, a lot of those denim brands or Rock and Republic were doing before, the, before uh, Bear Stearns happened. You know, $300 denim was actually a category for men. Huh. And then as soon as the recession happened, like, you know, it's actually cooler to wear $40 than it was to be the douchebag with rhinestones on your ass. You know, like it just was. <laughs> with the thick white um, threads. Things can happen. I think it's going to be what will shake up this business will be either something that slides in and takes the attention or, you know, some kind of cultural shift will happen as a result of some unforeseeable event. I guess my last question just is what do you see for yourself in the future? Was your goal not to be like a Ronnie, what he's done with Kith since you're out of the retail business and you just want to do the blog stuff now? Or what's your, what's yeah, your so, ultimate thing going yeah, forward? Yeah, so for me, for me, my future is that, you know, like there were so many things I always wanted to do with Nice Kicks um, that I couldn't do technically because I didn't have the technical capabilities and also I didn't really, not at that time, you know, the, it was very hard to create certain applications there were literally this is we're talking about the days before 
you know, iPhone apps or mobile apps or anything like that. There have always been things I've wanted to do and tools I've wanted to create that I think users would really, really enjoy. And I think that the buying and selling process is always going to be part of this culture. Like, you know, this whole, the, the word reseller means something very different than, you know, so, you know, what it was early on, at least you know, the only reason I ever did choose, did stuff with shoes online for a while. Like really when I got into things was I was buying clearance items and selling them on eBay. And, you know, I think that so much of shoe culture was, you know, Ray put out a tweet two days ago that got, like, got all these people hot. You know, and he said, like, you know, as much as you hate resellers, reselling is what brought, you know, made secret culture what it is on the Internet. That's very true. Like what brought a lot of people to the Internet for shoes was trying to find that shoe they couldn't find in their local market. And, you know, whether it be that it was sold out or it was, you know, so many years ago is a vintage hunt or, you know, trying to find an exclusive colorway. Um, I still think that that will always be here in this culture. There is always going to be the need to find something you can't immediately get that's right next to you. I do think that we're going to see this new world, this, you know, this, this global distribution pattern probably uh, put, be put to the side for a lot of the, the top tier products. I think a lot of the brands will see that that's not the best strategy to have the same shoe in, you know, Nebraska as it is in, uh, you know, I don't know, Belarus. Like it, there should be some market segmentation around the globe um, and regionally within a, within a country. So I think there's always a need for that. And I, 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 you know, what I'm working on right now is a project that helps with that. Um, but I do think that for nice cake, storytelling is always going to be a super important thing for us. You know, I've always said it is that, you know, it's not the leather and the rubber that makes these shoes. That's so cool. It's the people behind them. And it's the stories that go into them that make them what they are. And, you know, it's, it's, I think that is what you'll, you'll continue to see from us. Um, but yeah, we have, we have some really good stuff happening this next year. I'm really excited about. So I mean, but you know, for me, long term, it's just going to be like, I don't know, making, making it more enjoyable for everyone personally. Amen. Are you st- staying in the sneaker business or you want to do something else or? I mean, shoot, this, that, that's the biggest thing I have to, to battle with. I like, I always tell myself like I've, I've bet, spent too many years in this to leave it now. And I really do love this business. Like, don't get me wrong. There are many individuals who I've come across through the years that I probably, that I don't really like, but you know, that's going to happen <laughs> in any industry. But I really do love this business. Um, you know, something about me, my first job ever when I was 16 years old was working in a shoe store. And I have not left the industry since then. I've worked in so many different capacities of the industry from top to bottom and so many different jobs within it um, that, you know, it's literally been more than half my life. I'm 33 years old. And I've spent 17 years in footwear. So, hey, 33. yeah. I'll tell you, I mean – Obviously, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, Nice Kicks is a staple. I mean, like I said, if you don't know Nice Kicks, you don't have no business rocking kicks, to be honest with you. And one of the great things that I heard when I heard one of the great things I heard when you're doing the Premium Pete, and shout out to Premium Pete. Premium Pete was an awesome guest for us. And uh, I was glad that you're on that podcast. And for the fact that, you know, he said, um, you know, or you had brought up either you or him. I brought up, you know, it's a compliment the it's a compliment to say nice kicks you know and <laughs> it's just one of those things that like nice kicks is an inspiration to us i mean starting the podcast 
you know, there were a few sneaker podcasts out there, and I think you guys had even had something earlier on. Uh, yeah, they did a live show for a while. Yeah, for yep. a while, and you know, stuff like that was an inspiration to us. And you know, every week we try to come up with a new, uh, you know, takes on things that are going on in the culture, and you know, voice our opinions, and we definitely share what we discuss in just a regular text message thread. So, you know, like you say, those <clears throat> stories are what's important. And when we come here and we share those stories and we talk about our experience or how angry we got this week or how many L's or how many W's or how many things we sold or bought or lost or copped or someone screwed us over, it's a part of the culture and it's a part of our story. And, you know, Nice Kicks is that foundation and the first to bring those stories to the sneaker community. So um, we definitely appreciate that. Yes. Oh, man, thank you. And, uh, you know, like I said, I think we just... Might as well end it right there. But like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I know our listeners will enjoy this. I mean, I hope you be willing to come on again, you know, in the near future. Um, anytime you ever need us for anything, always hit me up. Let us know. We're down for whatever. And uh, it's fun and it's good to have a connection with somebody. You know, you might feel weird for us to say that to you. But, you know, as important as you are in the culture, you know. So, I mean, the fact that you answer our dms and emailed us a long time ago when we first started is incredible i'll be honest with you it was exciting you know it was it was exciting to get an email from you you know uh because you just never know who's listening and how many people are paying attention or even care some of the stuff we've said have been widely i think it's important like you said to start getting some guests also that aren't necessarily like shoot tuber folks right. you know what i mean like get people who either have been in the business forever like Pete and Matt yeah. or start getting people who are do sneakers as a hobby as opposed to you know they're on YouTube and then that's their whole thing is built off sneakers so I mean I I enjoy it I do enjoy these interviews very much so uh with that you know we appreciate Matt coming on with nice kicks obviously follow nice kicks on everything I'm sure everybody already does you guys just followers are through the roof um, Follow Matt Hathill, please. I need to get my followers. <laughs> I need to get my clout. So, my so clout score is kind of Double tap. Right so Give him some double taps. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and double tap. Double tap Matt. Double him. tap. Double we got, tap. Him. We got a nice kicks NMD restock coming soon for for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. yeah. After Christmas. <laughs> I think for I think for the nice kicks NMD, Matt. Dude, I wish I bought. I wish I'd got more of those things, man. I got one pair of those things. Man. You got I, one I, I, pair. I had, I had one pair that I wore. I had one pair that I wore, and I bought like six or seven pairs, so like you know, to get to friends and whatnot. But I had bought one pair that, I, or I had got one pair that I wore. I gave them to a friend, and so I have one dead sock pair. And I, I just, I'm like, man, when I see that price that some people are offering, I'm just like, man, there's so much temptation. <laughs> just get rid of the damn shoe and like have a mortgage and a half payment taken care of. With that. I mean, I. I, half jokingly, I guess I could maybe like pull off a really good replica, and probably no one's going to call me out. So I think I guess I could try that. Well, well that's, I was, what, that's what happens <laughs> when you're somebody like you. You could walk out with a replica, <laughs> and, and nobody's going to question you. The the the, the founder of Nice Kicks wearing a fake Nice Kicks? No that's way. Insane. That's the only yeah. shoe. That's the only <laughs> shoe ever that I had considered. Like, because we talk about like fake customs and how you make a custom of a shoe. Yeah, and, yeah. But that's the only shoe I've ever been like, dude. I. I, I've seen some dope customs, and like I would maybe custom that as opposed to paying the eighteen hundred dollar price tag for it. I mean, at at like I saw like two thousand twenty five hundred for the price, and I'm like, man, that's like 
That's insane. Is that what it is now? My daughter. I remember. Yeah, when, I, I remember when I passed on like twenty five hundred on. Oh my god! I remember passing on pairs for like five or six hundred, and like now I'm like, geez, I wish I would have bought a pair for five or six hundred. One of the yeah, one of the hardest things. Pause with is with that when you see something that's like six hundred bucks, and you're like, holy shit, that's high. I never would anticipate it going that high, and then. You know, a year yeah. later, you're like, fuck, that's, that's three right. times yeah. that now. Like, human, Yeezys, human race. <laughs> like the 750 Yeezys when they first came oh, out. Oh, yeah, the yellow human yellow races. Human race. I never would have guessed. They're 2,000 now, that. too. Are you kidding me? Well, Seven, yeah, I know. Exactly. I know. No, it's, it, it's pretty wild. I mean, I know uh, earlier yeah. in the show, earlier in the show, you said uh, you don't like to ask people for things. You like, you sit on sneakers. No. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I have no problem asking for a pair of NMD. <laughs> Nice kicks. If you ever, if you ever get the opportunity, <laughs> I have no Yo, problem asking I, for so a pair of those. There, there is one hat. There, there are some nice kicks NMDs right now. I saw online for forty bucks. It's over at. It's a flipper company is making those uh, cozy. They're called cozy kicks. That's what. It's All right. Yeah, I don't want those. Yeah, they, they're they Nice kicks NMD. And I actually reached out to them because I was like, "Yo, I'm never somebody to ask." I just like hit them up on like. Hey, let me know if you'd like to work together on something. You know, like, because it was pretty, like, I will say, I was very humble to see nice kicks on a page with OG NMD, and the rest is is either tied to Pharrell or Kanye. Right. Like, for me, that's pretty fucking humble. That's, that's. And I was just like, yo, let's do something. I'd love to just, like, maybe do a giveaway or something like that. And that was going to be my slide into, like, hey, can I get one for free, possibly? <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't even reply back. So I'm like, damn, okay. They didn't even reply back? The Lord disrespect. No. You better, you better slap with a cease and desist. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, we actually about to get out of here in the studio. Uh, but we appreciate you hey. coming on, man. This Absolutely. Thank you so much. Great conversation. I mean, Absolutely. we like to let guests come on here and talk. Like I said, like, and you talked and you threw out some knowledge and some gems. And I know our listeners are going to enjoy it. And I can't wait to put this out tonight. So. Uh, nice. Actually, I just no thought, doubt, of, man. Thank you guys so much. It's absolutely been a pleasure. Uh, one question to leave on. What's the next shoe you're looking forward to getting? That's a good question. Fuck, man. Shit. What's coming out next weekend? I don't even know. I need to go look on the site. I'm, I think I'm the next big dead. one is those frozen blue Yeezy V2s as <laughs> the next like hype release. I definitely will not be getting those. Um, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know what? If there's one shoe I really, really want right now, I would say, you know what? I'd say the Jordan 1 in that wheat colorway, I'm waiting for that thing to hit the sale to price. Go on I really want I need that, that shoe. shoe. Has to go on sale. I saw it on Saturday. The materials are really nice, but I think it's completely unnecessary. Buy a Timberland. I love that a man that started a website for $8 and grew it into a multi-million dollar business still waits for things to go on sale. <laughs> you hey, have to. It's just me. Hey. So what's the last thing? Okay, real quick then. What's your ultimate grail? And what's your last, this last shoe that you did buy? Okay. Ultimate Grail somehow went missing in a divorce. Um, and it was a pair of Air Jordan 11s that were practiced in by Michael Jordan in 1996 and oh, autographed. Wow. Wow. Those just disappeared somehow in the move. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so that's, I don't know where the fuck those are. Somebody came up on them and, like, God bless them, have them. Um, the. Wow. Oh, so I'll I, I know I'm never going to get that one again. Ultimate Grail, other than that shoe, would be, I would say, Air Jordan 1, man. Air Jordan 1. Um, oh, you know what? I will say it. Nike Air Assailant. The whole reason Nice Kicks exists is because of that shoe. The Assailant? And it's a long, it's a, 
If we do, we have studio time. Can can I tell you the full story how how it started? Nice kick. Sure. Why not? Okay. So, grade nine, Matt, nineteen ninety nine. Here we are in Fresno, California. My best friend Brent Knight and this girl I had a crush on both had this Agassi. It's a you know white leather assailant. One of that shoes so bad, could just could not find it locally. You know, there, there was only like, I guess, a tennis pro shop and sports authority had just opened there that had the nice. shoe and they didn't have my size. So I missed out on it. I get the black and blue colorway for my back to school shoe in grade 10. Only problem is the fucking air bubble was broken in the right heel. <laughs> so I was like, I like had to return the shoe. It was the first time I ever got my mom to spend over 90 bucks for a pair of shoes. They were 94 99 before tax. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. But, but she, because she had paid with cash instead of her card, they wouldn't give her a refund. They gave her store credit, which mom was not feeling about that either. So we held on to that store credit. My family then decides to move to the Caribbean that winter in December, and my and the the the, the story had just came out that Just for Feet had filed for their first bank round of bankruptcy. So my mom's like, "Let's get to that store and let's buy you a pair of shoes before we leave the country because it's probably not even going to be here when we get back." <laughs> so I I get lucky, and it's a pair of Air Jordan 14 last shot in my or like a half size too big, size 11 and a half that I am able to get. It's my first pair of Jordans in my life. I'm like, oh my God, I've made it. And um, <laughs> I wear those shoes like crazy in the Caribbean. They were my dress. They were like my, the shoes I could wear to school because they were pretty much all black. And the schoolmaster was fine with not like just a little low. He, he, was, he, was, he wasn't tripping on that. So I wore those just warm to death. I, you know, I played so much ball in those. I did everything in them. And my family moves to Canada and I take a job at Athletes World. And while I'm at the job, it's about like three months in, I hear about Nike Canada's return policy that if an air bubble is broken, um, yep. they have like a three-year warranty on the shoe. Mm, and they would give, they'd issue you a comparable shoe. And I asked my manager, like, hey, you know, if I get a shoe, can I exchange it? He's like, yeah, totally. He just makes sure it's a shoe that we sell in store. So I call him up and I'm like, please, I need the Ginger Jordan 16s so badly because I need it. I'm only allowed to wear this shoe to work. Like, that was the lie I told. So I get the Gingers. They retail for 239 Canadian. And I trade them in for a pair of black and red Shocks R4s um, and a dry fit sock because it was the Shocks were only 229. <laughs> um, and I was going to wear the R4s. It was full intent to wear them. And then my girlfriend at the time thought they looked really weird and said, you can't wear those. So I listened to her and I didn't wear them. And I decided after failed attempts to sell them locally to other people that, you know what, I'm just gonna have to sell them on eBay. You know, I'm just gonna have to, I had been buying and selling musical instruments for years on eBay. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna sell these on eBay. Be my first time selling shoes. I sell them. And my manager hears that I sold the shoes and he thought that was really awesome. And about a month and a half later, I get a call from him. And he's like, hey, Matt, you remember how you sold those shocks on eBay? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, we got a bunch of shocks for half price. You want to come down and check them out? He's like, I'll let you buy them. And if they don't sell, you can just return them. I'm like thinking to myself, well, shit, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm not taking any risk. So I buy like six or eight pairs of those on, um, from the clearance table, sell them on eBay that night. That triggers something in the system. We get everything from British Columbia sent to that store. I buy all those, sell them online. Then we get everything in the nation sent there. And I was tired of paying eBay fees after like selling 50 or 60 pairs of shoes. But I also told myself at this time that I'm like, if somebody walks around and they ask you, hey, like, where'd you get those shoes? They're not going to say from Matt Hatfield. They're going to say from, 
eBay. Right. Yeah. So not only was I paying all these mer- these eBay fees, I also was not building a brand at the same time. And I'm like, I want people to tell people that got them from me. So I'm like, I need to build a website. So I give my mom, uh, like my brother and I, you know, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, think of all these names to on, on a piece of paper. We write them all out. And the, the one word that, that the one phrase that was there that I liked the most. And it was the one phrase I heard in the three countries I had lived in at that time in my life was nice kicks. So I gave my mom eight bucks to use her credit card and buy nicekicks.com. And that's how it all started. <laughs> so, but the pair of shoes, the shocks that I had resold, I got as an exchange for the Jordan 16 gingers, the Jordan 16 gingers I got for, in exchange from the Air Jordan 14s, the Air Jordan 14s I got in exchange from the busted pair of Nike Air Assailants. The Nike Air Assailants were the consolation prize to the white pair that I wanted because a girl I had a crush on wore the Nike oh Air <laughs> And now we so, have nice kicks. <clears throat> that, that's that's a good, that was actually an entertaining story. That was a good story. One pair of shoes. All right, so I guess my final question then is: You weren't a lot of final questions. Well, I mean, it it, it brings up something else. Every story he tells, I thought you were, I thought your family was from Canada, so you guys aren't Canadian. You just move no, around a lot. No, then? so I'm American. Yeah, oh, okay. We, we, All right, I am Canadian too, but I, I but I am American. I was born and in Caribbean, born and raised in Fresno, <laughs> and, and then I lived in yeah. Then All right, another Canada. California person. Then, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's that. I was gonna go to Fresno for college too, Bulldogs. So that was cool. I visited for. Don't wave your hand at me. Don't say you visited for basketball. You're you. Those are lies. Facts. Those are lies. No. Well, facts. Let's go play. We'll play. You, there's no way you could beat me in basketball. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. Anyways, uh, Matt, we appreciate you coming on. And if he's in Phoenix, hit us up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. We'll buy you a beer or whatever. I don't know what your vices are. Absolutely. Hopefully, it's not crack. We Chicken won't buy wings. you that. But yep. So if you're ever in town, uh, look us up. Actually, we'll, we'll we definitely want to hang out and kick it if we're in California or wherever, Texas, wherever you might be. Uh, we'll definitely San Antonio. You know when the, you guys have a team that likes to get whooped on out here. So if you ever want to come uh, to the Suns, get well, their ass kicked. Like just give me a call. Our team likes to get whooped on in every state. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we just, got, we just got beat by thirty by the Sixers tonight. And uh, no, not tonight. They played Detroit tonight, didn't they? Or Detroit. Sorry. Yeah. So. Detroit beat us by 30 tonight. <laughs> Anyways, all right, Matt, we got to get out of the studio. We appreciate right, you, and uh, we'll hit you up later. Thank you. Take it up. Take it you easy. It. Yeah. All right, man. Bye. Later. Wait, you got to do the thing. That's a sneak disc. I was already taking my mic off. So you got to do the thing. Oh, God.